Hey, what's up? What's up? It's your man Sam, host of Just Talk with Sam podcast. Just Talk with Sam podcast, man. We got a special guest coming to the podcast. It's somebody I've been watching for a very, very long time. Stand-up comedian, Mr. Greg Berent. Yes, that Mr. Greg Berent. He's been everywhere. If you grew up, he's a, he's been a, he's a comedian, a TV show host, um, a co-author. He wrote. He's just not that into you at New York Times bestseller multiple books um it's uh, it's just a fucking date what's the other one um it's called a breakup because it's broken he was a contributor to sex in the city cancer survivor this man brings a wealth of knowledge to the podcast and i i've been watching him since uh premium blend early days of comedy central so we get a chance to chop it up here so please check him out he's actually going to be if you're in the metro detroit area starting uh the 10th of march he's going to be here the entire weekend at mark ridley's comedy castle please check him out his comedy is second to none he's back uh from a pandemic like everything goes and he's just happy to be back on the road throughout talking about his life and he's just downright happy to be here man and i love every piece of it so everything before we jump to this podcast we got to talk about we got to talk some shop here here at samshownation.com your home for everything related to just talk with sam podcast yes samshownation.com and right there on the home page and current promotions page you yes you can always hit the donate button you can help the free funny stay free you guys have been doing it since we've been doing this thing for about 12 years and i would greatly appreciate if you kept doing it so give whatever makes you feel like a good person with the donate button but maybe you want those people People who want a little bang for their buck, we got you. You can always go to samshownation.com, go to the store, get all your Just Talk With Sam swag, whether that be t-shirts, hats, uh, stickers, whatever, as you show the world that you really like this podcast in your daily life, it's all right there. So go to samshownation.com, click the store link. It's all right there. Um, speaking of the podcast itself, you can check out the podcast, hit the podcast link right there on the website. And by doing that, you can listen to the podcast right there on the website. But maybe you can listen to podcasts a little bit differently. We're wherever podcasts can be found, whether that be uh, Amazon, whether that be Apple, whether that be uh, Google, Castbox. Uh, I'm on Spotify. Um, wherever podcasts can be found, just type in Sam Show Nation. Oh, excuse me, just talking with Sam. No gin talking, and you can check out all of your favorite podcasts right then and there. You can listen to some again. You can um, subscribe. You can be alerted the second we release one, and it's all right there. So um, before we get started with this um, great podcast, we got a few sponsors this week, and our first sponsor is the good folks at Reebok. And Reebok this week is starting their friends and family sale. Yes. The weather's getting a little bit better. The world is opening back up. Reebok want to make sure you look fly with all the accessories, footwear, uh, apparel for men, women, and kids. So, please go to samshownation.com. Click the link, the Reebok link. And with the promo code FRIEND at checkout, you can save 40% off all items site-wide and 50% off sale items. Hurry up. This is this is for a limited time only. I think it's for like a week. So please go to samshownation.com, hit the Reebok link, and jump on the friends and family sale. 40% off site-wide, 50% off sale items by putting in the promo code FRIEND at checkout. And look, here's another thing that's happening next week. 
if you like me, you're going to be watching some NCAA men's basketball tournament, better known as March Madness. And the best place to watch it is Paramount Plus. All the games all weekend long. Paramount Plus got you covered with plans starting as low as $4.99. Yes, $4.99 gets you in tune with all the games. Everything that you think that can happen, March Madness, you're not going to miss a step. Um, you can do that. Or maybe you're not such a basketball fan. We love y'all too. But Paramount Plus has a mountain of entertainment. Whether that be peak originals, uh, you can explore new worlds, you can see new characters. Uh, I think Picard comes back, and that was a Paramount Plus original. Um, whether that be sports, like I said, maybe you're not into basketball. Hey, the NHL is along the way, NBA is taking off, uh, we're kind of undecided on MLB, and the 24. 24- Four seven three sixty five news cycle of the NFL drama is going on. You can catch it with all the edge of your seat action right there. Whether it be news, is some news happening everywhere. Whether that be international, national, or you know local news, you would need to stay in the loop. Twenty four seven three sixty five with Paramount Plus Peak News, or you can have some great family time. Peak family time and you can kick back with the whole family and take in the best in classic new and animated series and or let the little ones stream with their kid-friendly profiles it's all right there at paramount plus plans start at 4.99 and the best place to do is go to samshownation.com click the paramount plus link and go ahead sign up you don't want to miss anything paramount plus it's a mountain of entertainment and lastly certainly not leastly the big dog of them all Amazon.com. Yes, Amazon.com. I don't know if you figured this out yet. Has everything from A to Z. And I think my guest would love it. I mean, capital L, love it. If you just go to Amazon.com via SamShowNation.com, put his name in the search bar, Greg Barron, and you can check out all of his works, whether that be his books, whether that be his music, whether that be comedy. He's been around. And he has projects galore, and you guys, a lot of them are on Amazon. So please check them out. Put Greg Barrett in the Amazon search bar and catch up with him. Actually, I'll beat you to it because I got Prime. And what I'm going to do, um, one of my earlier, this is from a Comedy Central show, if I'm not mistaken. One of his, uh, just a couple seconds of his comedy. We're going to play that. Then we'll jump into this great interview. So I will see you in just a second. Let me play the clip. See you in a few. I had to give up trick-or-treating last year. For a couple of reasons, but mostly because my silver surfer costume was freaking people out. I don't know how many of you are familiar with the surfer, but let me tell you this, man. Nobody needs to see a nearly 42-year-old man in a silver bikini bottom, painted silver, holding an ironing board in a glad bag. That's freaky for some folks. They prefer to shut their door. They're not interested in your trick or your treat. But then I tried to turn the situation on its head because I did realize, yes, okay, I am no longer a person who can go trick-or-treating, but now I get to bestow candy upon the youth of America. And that is a job I take most seriously, for I feel that candy is awesome. I love it. Candy is fucking the greatest. There's no, oh, candy, candy. 
And I make this promise. And if you ever come to my house for Halloween, let me just say this. Fun size, fun size, fun size. Let me say it again. Fun size. What is fun about a third of a candy bar? Yeah. Tell you what. Tell you what. Why don't you write fuck you on it and then put it in the bag? Because that's what it is. It's a fuck you. And if you're an adult and you don't understand that, let me explain it this way. How about next Friday we fun size your paycheck? Well, how about that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll just, that's a third of a paycheck. It's not cute. It's a third. It's small. It's like a small paycheck. It's better for you. When you come to my house full size. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All candy food groups represented. All candy food groups represented. So understand what I'm saying. I'm saying I have a chocolate, I have chocolate caramel for you, okay? I have chocolate with nougat for you. I have chocolate with crispy for you. I have chocolate with nut for you. Not a lot of nut. Not a lot of nut. I'm not going to unload almond joy on you and expect you to dig that. That is too much nut, Johnny Protein. All right, take your Atkins diet somewhere else. A raw almond and coconut? I don't think so, Grandma. No. And then you say, well, Greg, you know what? I actually, I don't care for chocolate. Well, that's okay, because I have you covered in what I like to refer to as the pectin-based fruit chew family of candies. Do you know what I'm talking about? Oh, I'm talking, yeah, yeah, I'm talking about Skittles. Starbursts, dots, Mexican hats, razzles, razzles, have candy, have gum, what is it? Yeah. Have candy, have gum, what is it, what is it? Don't overthink it. Chew it, swallow it, spit it out, stick it in your sister's hair, let the razzle decide. Let the razzle become you. I just have two rules when you come to my house. Two rules. Two rules. Very simple. Number one, wear a costume. I was very surprised, disappointed to find out how many kids will actually roll up on the old ports there without a costume. And that's when I have to say, is this no costume candy giveaway day? I don't think so. Slam! Reverberate, reverberate. That's how hard the door is. It's fucking still moving. That's how I've slammed it hard. Rule number two, don't grab. Don't be fucking Johnny reach and grab, Johnny yank and go. Don't be digging in the bag. Let me assess you and then design a candy situation for you. And I think you will be pleased. Candy is my medium. Watch me work. So Spider-Man number four comes down my driveway in a series of Spider-Mans. And it is not looking good for this kid from the get-go. Firstly, he's got his mask off, his suit's kind of baggy, he's crying, and he's about 13. Oh, you hate to see it. And he's with his little sister. Now, his little sister's about four, and she's got the little mermaid costume going, and she looks fantastic. She may have actually, she may actually have red hair. Like, she looks, it's... She's not going to be able to leave my porch unassisted. That's how much candy I'm going to give her. Yeah, it's a, it's a good day for her. And they're with their mom, and the mom explains to me that the reason that dude is crying is because his little sister keeps ringing the doorbell, and he wants to. Now, if you know anything about me, or the kind of man I am, or the kind of work that I do, or the kind of person I am, you know that I'm a dude that says, hey, you're a young fella, and you got some tears, don't bottle it, go ahead and cry, don't bottle that shit up and take it into your relationships later on, okay, we don't need it later. All right, we don't need to hear how fucked up you're... Yeah, we don't need to... No, no, no. Get, let it go. Let it go. However, 
Pick your battles, bro. Yeah. 13 crying at doorbells, long, hard road for you, I fear. Long, hard road, okay? Now, I'm not going to punish this kid, but we're definitely not going chocolate caramel. We'll probably do something in a razzle Mexican hat. Now, not to slam the Mexican hat, for I feel that it is one of the finest candy designs going. But they're spice-flavored, and that is just bullshit. Because when you're a kid, you see purple, you think grape. Not anise or anise or whatever the fuck it is. Not some licorice-based weird thing. It's not right. And tell me the kid that fucking loves spices. Where's that kid? Which one's paprika? Do they have... I like cumin and also thyme. Which one's thyme? Is it the orange one? Which one's thyme? Thyme. Do they have the thyme one? But as I'm unloading the goodness on his sister, dude breaks rule two. There's even a sign, man. Don't grab. Grabs. Digs. Yanks. Says, gimme. And I snapped. I was like, ho, ho, ho. Hang on, Crybaby Spider-Man. And I don't know if I'm familiar with Crybaby Spider-Man. I don't remember reading any of his comic books. What are his special powers? Getting daddy caught in a web of tears? Because I ain't buying. Now we got two ways we can go with this. Number one, the bag of punishment. Now, I have a bag of punishment I haven't told you about. It's a bag that is filled with broccoli, kale, asparagus, dandelion greens, feta cheese, and arugula, and it's warm. Seepage. Or, option two, I slip on the Silver Surfer costume, take him a couple blocks, and teach him how to get it right. Because this is an awesome holiday. We open our door to costumed strangers and then give them candy. It's about trust and a lack of ego. And that's what I'm all about. And that's exactly what I did. I took the kid a couple of blocks and showed him how to get it right. And it was cool for a while. And I fucking, I fucking bailed. You know why? Motherfucker kept ringing the doorbell. I like to ring the doorbell. Thank you. Hello, Greg. Hey, man. Hey, Greg. How you doing today? Yeah, really good, dude. How are you? I'm doing great, man. Um, I know you're on your way here. You just want to get started? Yeah, why not? Let's do it. All right. First of all, Greg, thank you so much for being on my podcast. Um, mainly because ever since I had a half day in like high school way back when, I've been following your career because I caught your set on Premium Blend. So that, that's like me. Oh, my God. Premium, premium Blend. Yeah. So if I'm that pulling you there, back. and ever since then, I was like, hey. And I was like, this is a guy who kind of looks like Mark McGrath telling jokes. And then I found out, <laughs> found out about you. And ever since then, just kind of followed your career. And yeah. And quite honestly, coming up with just talking with you is always a good thing because I've been following you so long, but it's a bit of a challenge because I listened to your Walk in the Room podcast and you took a super deep dive in your life, your career, what was going on at the time. So it's kind yeah. of hard to ask questions I don't know the, ending, you know the actual answer to. You were very raw and just upfront about everything on there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
So, um, again, thank you. Kids, you're going to be in sure. Detroit. Well, Royal Oak starting um, tomorrow the 10th at Mark Riley's Comedy Castle. And you got years of experience in that. And how's it feel like just really hitting it again, you know, doing the clubs again? Uh, it feels great, man. It really is great after this two years of being, you know, being indoors to go out, go to a club, do five shows, see people, you know, really relate, try and write some new material, try and come up with, I'm trying to come up with a brand new hour. You know, it's all really fun. And that's good. I mean, like, I know um, you started early in the early alt scene. Um, and obviously you come from a music background um, in San Fran and, I always wonder, like, because of your musical background and playing in bands and stuff like that, that kind of make it easy for you to play in the more old scene where you're not necessarily in clubs, but maybe like in a laundromat or a restaurant after closing, you know? I I definitely think there's a correlation between the kind of gigs that you do when you're in a band, especially when you're starting, and the kind of stuff that was happening in the alternative scene. So, yeah, it was... It wasn't too hard to play a laundromat or, you know, an art gallery or, you know, a clothing store or a bookstore, you know, that kind of stuff was really, and it was really great because we were all doing it. You know, there was a bunch of us. So it was a lot of the same people at these shows and we all knew each other. And so it was really, we always had that support going in, regardless of what the crowd was like. Okay. And like, when you see that and, um, I don't necessarily want to call you that, but it was more like a high energy comic. I don't want to say that, but you really Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, yeah. You you were on that line. There were some a little bit higher than you, but you when you have that type of uh presence, I should say. Yeah. And that's obviously coming from like your musical days or just your influences as as it is. How is it easy to like adjust to more of um I guess like a club setting like now? Or is it just just kind of knowledge or is it just kind of you read the room you know you just read the room every every night's a different situation every crowd's brand new you know they're like snowflakes it's they're always different and you never take anything for granted you always go out there going okay you know I gotta figure out who these people are in the first 10 minutes so that I can really give them what they want and you know and then it's just an exchange of energies Okay. Speaking of exchange of energies, that is like you're reading my next question. It's like one of the things I always want to know is because throughout your career, you had a major change in energy because you went from comic to a consultant on um, Sex in the City. Yeah. And talk about change of energies where there's such a, you read the room, you are just whatever you, you know, whatever you bring to the table and whatever you get back. Then you move it as a consultant on Sex in the City, which is very, um, at the time, that was the show. And kind yeah. of as, um, all opposite of what you were bringing to the table, to some degree. You were kind of... Yeah, it was a little, it was a little different. Um, I mean, the reason I got the job was because Michael Patrick King, who was the executive producer, still is the executive producer, uh, really loved my stand-up really liked my vibe and my energy and I was also the only straight guy on the staff sounds about right yeah the staff was seven women and two gay men at the time okay so you know he sort of brought me in a little bit for my kind of bro energy I think 
Mm-hmm. So when you have that type of energy, it, it's sort of like, how did it mesh going to the Sex and the City? Or was it just kind of like, oh, okay, whatever type of vibe? Uh, it was a good fit. I really, you know, when I was there, I was a consultant and not a writer. So really, it was my job to sort of read the room and and respect all the all the writers on the show and then just contribute where I felt like I could contribute. Okay. Speaking of contributing, um, now, correct me if I'm wrong. I read that one of the staffers asked you about a date and you coined the phrase, he's maybe just not that, that into you. And that launched the book, that launched everything. Yeah, well, there were two things about that. One was the girl asking me the question, but the other thing was that the, the girl who was the co-author of the book, Liz Tuchillo, was the one that realized I'd said, he's just not that into you. I don't even really remember saying it. And she was the one that really glommed onto the phrase and then sort of brought it into the writer's room and made it a part of the conversation. And then we put it in an episode and then the rest is history. Now, here's what's interesting about that. And um, that, like I said, that launched a lot and you became like the relationship guy. I mean, yeah. you were everywhere. You were on, you were Oprah's guy. You're still an Oprah guy, I guess. Um, where you, when like, whenever you go on Oprah, especially around that time, if she holds your book, let alone talks about it, you're through the window. You're, you're, you're just going through the roof. How was it being that relationship guy? Because from the rest of us, uh, I'll, I'll just use my own personal experience. It was like, wait. That's the guy I remember from Comedy Central. Why is he giving relationship advice? Was that kind of like uh Yeah, it was a little bit of a yeah, it was a little bit of a paradigm shift, you know? Uh and I was <clears throat> I was as, as surprised by it as anybody else. You know, we wrote the book for fun. It's a very simple premise. You know, if you if you're seeing somebody and he doesn't call you, he doesn't fucking like you. That's the entire okay. book. That's the book. And uh and so to get that recognition, especially from Oprah, was kind of insane. You know, I mean, but I went with it because it was it was I enjoyed doing it. Yeah, I mean, obviously, but it when you like when you you talk about that paradigm shift when you're the guy and you're saying like, I mean, at the time that even in your circle, did everyone look at you like, oh, well, you're the guy now. Help me out with my relationship, that type of thing. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> so yeah, you're like default wingman for the rest of your life during that yeah, time. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, how did that affect stand up? Because I would imagine you will have two very different sets of populations coming to see your shows. One Yeah, it was it was it was tough at first because it was right off the bat. I remember the first show that I did was sold out and it was it had to have been 70 to 80% women and they were there to hear about the book. And so when I, and I just did my stand up, and it didn't go well. And the second night I realized I've got to make some adjustments and I've got to address the book. So I talked about the, I would open the show by talking about being on Oprah and then go back into my stand up. So I had to figure out a way to get both audiences. I understand. I understand. And um, 
then from there, and I, I don't want to put on a sour note here, but it was like um, your career kind of, you had the TV shows and that was going good. You had the reality shows and then you were like the uh, Dr. Phil before Dr. Phil. How was um, when you had your own um, talk show? How yeah. was that? I mean, like the reality world versus the, you're the host now, you're Oprah. How was Yeah, it was a trip, man. I I turned the show down like three times. And then finally I realized cuz I wanted to do something more comedic, but I realized I wasn't going to be offered that because too many people saw me as the relationship guy. So I thought, well, I'll give it a shot. I mean, Dr. Phil was already on and Oprah was obviously on and Ellen and a lot of those there was a lot of shows already on. And the chances of one of those shows hitting is really rare, but the money was really good and I wanted the experience. And so I did it. And yeah, it worked obviously on, I mean, I guess on a financial front, but um, one of the things, how you said you want to do something more comedic, you always find a way to return to comedy in some form, even yeah. in the reality show. Like now, correct me if I'm wrong as a guy who watched the reality show, me, you, and whoever's watching and listening. It almost seemed like you were trying to get some of these couples to break up. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh I, yeah. I, didn't, I didn't just imagine that. No, not at all. I, you know, I don't see the point in a relationship going on if people are unhappy. I don't, I don't feel like you got to, you don't always have to solve the problem. Sometimes the problem is you're together. So, I mean, did anyone ever pick up on that or was it more like, uh, was it like we're going to stay together in spite of Greg or did you have that feeling when you were, were you going through it? No, people were pretty open to whatever, whatever the process was. And the first couple on the pilot broke up. Uh, but after that, all the other couples stayed together, and one couple ended up getting married, which was crazy because they were. I w I went in saying, "You guys got to break up." <laughs> um, do you ever keep up with them? Uh, I keep up with them. I keep up with that couple. Actually, they're still they're still together and doing well. But nobody else from the show. I haven't talked to anybody else from the show. Okay, now during this time, a little bit after that, um, this is where I think me and you had. Um, I I want to say a connection. We share a mutual buddy. I I can say, um, Chad Butler, uh, the drummer oh, yeah. from Switchfoot. Yeah. Now here's well, where I don't I don't know him. Oh, we you know him. We had a we had an encounter. Yes. Yeah. You want to yeah. get into it? I can get into it. Yeah, it was great. I mean, I it was a pretty crazy story. But I was in I was in Australia, and I was doing. Uh, the comedy festival there I was supposed to be there for a month and I was about eight shows in and I was having these horrible stomach pains and I went to the emergency room and it turned out that I had tumors on my intestine and it's cancer and uh, I had to be sent home to the United States for emergency surgery so they were like well you're going to be in pain unless you take these oxycontin with you and uh and fly home so i was loopy man i was loopy as fuck and i got on the plane and i said to the guy next to me i said hey listen i gotta take these pills every 
I don't know what it was, six hours or something. Would you remind right. me when six hours is up, you know? And he was like, yeah, sure, man, no problem. And then I just sort of fell asleep, you know? And, uh, and then I, when I came to, we started talking, and it turned out he was in Switchfoot. Drummer, right? Right. Yeah. And uh, he was super nice. I told him all about my cancer or whatever. And he walked me to baggage claim and helped me get my bags and then said, I want to say a prayer for you. And I said, all right. And I bent down to grab my bags and he was gone. And that was it. Now, here's the crazy connection. I never thought this would work out, but I heard your story, the long version on this is not happening. Yeah. Now, here's what's happening where I felt like, Really? He was a guest on our show the week before that happened. Oh, really? Because he was talking about the tour and he was talking about um, the new album and how they're getting started and he's excited. And if you go back, it's way back in the podcast that's just got to be around 2015-ish? Yeah, 2015. Somewhere around that time, he just said, he was like, you never know, man. We go out on these tours, you may change your life. You may have the same thing. I was like, all right, that was weird that he just talked about changing a life. And then yeah. we fast forward a few years. I hear this story. I'm like, wait, wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. Hold on. It, it's just weird how that all just comes together. Yeah, totally. And he was... Uh, he was nice to lovely, me. Just a lovely guy. Just a lovely guy. Yeah, Chadwick, he was nice to me, and he was nice. He just said, sometimes you never know, man. You just put in a place, you may change your life. And that, yeah. that stuck with me because he said that phrase, I'm just kind of like, wait, okay, cool. And then now you hear the story like, no, dude, you totally called what you were going to do. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So exactly. I know we talked about it a little bit, but you were pretty open and honest about you know, during your time with cancer, the treatment, and just plain living. Um, I I gotta ask. Um, were you were you more focused on just living, or did other factors come into play, like your career, how you're gonna support, or was it a myriad of all those things? I'm a myriad of all those things. I mean, I was just trying to get healthy. Um, you know, the doctors were pretty sure that what I had was treatable but I did have to go through six rounds of chemo, which was intense. Um, uh, and yeah, I worried about, you know, cause uh, I had to cancel a tour that I was counting on and, you know, other opportunities went away because, you know, I was sick and that kind of thing. So, you know, there was a struggle for sure. One of the things um, that you also like documented during that time was you rocking out the guitar. Did that, kind of reignite your love for music? Did that give you another start at your band, the Brandon Monarchs, or was that just kind of a coincidental thing? Um, well, I was always playing the guitar back then. And, uh, you know, I loved, I loved stand-up and music equally, you know? Mm -hmm. And so, uh, but we recorded a record. The weird thing is we've never put it out, but we recorded a record when I, while I was sick. Why'd you ever, I, I'm curious, why didn't you ever put it out? We never got it mastered and we just never got it out. It was just a weird thing. It's just five songs, but 
but uh, but hopefully it'll come out before the end of this year. Well, yeah, the way tech works now, you could just toss it out there and just let. We should have just put it out there. We should have just put it out there. Yeah, yeah, and um, knowing what you know now, I mean, like obviously the um, you kind of give this vibe that the little things don't matter to you as much anymore because you're back, you're healthy, you got a new lease on life. Is it something? How it changed you? I mean, like, did it change you, or are you kind of the same guy? It changed me. I mean, I feel like I'm pretty much the same guy. It changed me in that I don't, I really don't stress little shit. I'm not competitive. I'm not petty. I don't care what other people are doing in terms of like what it means for my career. You know, I'm happy to see people succeed. I I still enjoy stand up. I enjoy watching it from time to time, you know, other comics, you know, I'm more, I'm more open to that kind of thing. And also just really grateful that I still get to do it. You know, I've been doing it for 31 years. And yeah, that's pretty cool. But after all these things, I mean, granted, you're coming here um, soon and you're really getting back out there. How you, we talked about the pandemic earlier. Everyone's getting back out there. Does it in a weird way feel like starting over again? Well, yeah, kind of like the first, uh, what was my first week back? It was, uh, where was I? I can't remember, but it was a, I remember it was a struggle to kind of like do an hour in a, in a, like I could do an hour. I can always do an hour, but to do it in a way that felt like a complete show. Right. You know, and, uh, and also, I was dusting off a lot of old stuff and didn't have anything new and kind of was struggling to have, cause I didn't write a lot during the pandemic. I write on stage mm-hmm. and I write when I go and do hours. It's the easiest place for me to write. Cause there's always a point during the show where I can try something new. And if it fails, it doesn't matter. Cause I've got other stuff to go to when I'm doing five minute sets, 10 minute sets in the city in LA I don't write as much because I want to do well in that 15 minutes or whatever it is. Okay. And um, now knowing what you know, um, you're back out there, you had a few reps, you didn't have some time. Is, do you feel it becoming easier or is it still a struggle? Oh, no. it's It's been, like, awesome. Okay. Shows have been great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's been really good. Shows have been great. I've worked with some really good people. Uh, so I've, I've, I've worked with features where I really had to hustle to follow them, you know, cause they're so good. And I, I love, that. I, I love, I love when the other people on the show are good and I have to work hard to keep up with them. Okay. And, um, now that you, we, um, I guess in your world, you got like a second chance just life as a whole, but I mean, like coming back out again, is it some you want to accomplish more now or some that you haven't done? I mean, quite honestly, you did everything else. You did, you was a TV host. You was an author. Well, still is an author. Um, um, you're a writer. You're this. I mean, is there anything else just like left on a table? A musician, all of it. I mean, kind of, I mean, not really. I, I wouldn't mind putting together another hour and doing another special. I wouldn't mind doing something or putting something out that I was really excited about, you know? Okay. I wouldn't mind doing that. I, you know, um, uh, my wife and I have a script that's in development right now. I'd love for that to get made. That would be an amazing thing. 
you know. But as far as like accomplishing things, I've accomplished a lot of what I set out to accomplish in life. Okay. And I always end with this. We're getting towards the tail end. I actually went a bit longer. So I got, I got one more. Um, you've been in the game over 30 years. You didn't set it yourself. And there are a lot of young comics who may listen to this or wherever they mm-hmm. do this. Is there any advice or anything you can give them to just say like, just throughout your years of knowledge, just about the knowledge of you've been everywhere. So please, floor I mean, is yours. The thing that's true about this is if you really love it, you'll always do it. Like there've been times where I wanted to quit, you know, or I felt like I wasn't relevant or I didn't feel like I had anything to say. And, but then I find myself out there. I find myself always doing it. I find myself always wanting to do it. And I think, and it defines me. It is who I am. I mean, of all things, when people ask me what I am, I say I'm a comedian. You know, I'm an author and a coach and a musician and all those things but the thing that I am at the core of what I am as a comedian and I think if you are a comedian you know it and that's true and I and that goes I mean that's good because to their own self be true and all the other fun stuff but that's just what it is yeah yeah totally so Greg thank you for giving us a little bit of your time no thank uh, you, I can't man. you're going to be here very soon Thank you so much. I want everyone to go to the website, gregbarrett.com. It's Gregory's uh, Gregory on IG. Huh? Gregorybarrett.com. Gregory oh, yeah, gregorybarrett.com. Sorry. I'm reading okay. ahead. <laughs> I'm, re- I'm reading ahead, but um, gregorybarrett.com. But pretty much everything you got, you talked about the life coaching um, and relationship coaching. Um, I know you're always doing stand-up. You're always around. You had a new book, well, recent book, Don't Take Bullshit from Fuckers which is the title itself. I think you helped out some people just with the title. And um, Matt, it's all, it's all you. you. Thank you so much for just showing up on the podcast. Oh, no, man. I'm really grateful that you had me, man. I appreciate you. All right. Hey, I've been watching for 30 some odd years. Uh, let's keep Bless it going. Heart, man. Thank you. All right, Greg. You have a great day. Take care, buddy. All right. Bye. Bye. I'm a little metro, yeah. I like a sweater. I'll wear a little man jewelry. (laughs) But my wife gave me a purse for Christmas. A purse! A purse! A purse! A purse! Last gift of the day, the big gift, the gift that says, this is who I think you are as a person. Rap, rap, rap. Purse, purse. Leather strap, flap, you put your shit in here. My mom had one, they're called purses. I don't even know what to say. I'm like, oh, a purse. You gotta stop wearing eyeliner. And I say, oh, a purse. And my wife says, no, baby, that's not a purse. And she rechristens it. What does she call it? Okay, first off, okay, that was horrible. First off, not one dude answered the question. I just want you to know that. Noted, not one dude. Gay or straight, not one dude answered that question. That was a chorus of women answering the question. But what you said was hurtful. Say it again. That wasn't me. Who said it? A man. No, no, no. Who said it? I heard it. A merce. A, f- a merce? Are you shitting me? Are you shitting me? A merce. Are you shitting me? A merce!
What guy says that? Have you seen my merch? I... Shit, I, I don't... I gotta... Fuck, my merch is... Hey, fellas. Guess where the tickets are? Merce! Yeah, we're going to a show. Got my tickets in there for the show? For the ball game? For the concert? Tickets in the Merce with my keys and my wallet and my tampons? My extra panties, my mad money? And that was some more comedy from Greg Barrett. Man, check him out if you are in the metro Detroit area. He's going to be at Mark Ridley's Comedy Castle right there in Royal Oak all weekend starting uh, the 10th of March. 10th of March, March 10th. Um, hurry up, get your tickets. There are a very limited amount of tickets left. Check him out. And um, speaking of people to check out, we got some other podcasts. You know he's a podcaster too, but... I'm not talking about Greg's podcast, which is great, but I was talking about my buddies. Uh, Mark from My Worst Holiday, check them out. It is a storyteller podcast. It's pretty good. Actually, I got to holler at Mike and Mark. I haven't um, talked to him in a bit. So, um, yeah, check them out. Great dude. I'm pretty sure he'll love it. It's called My Worst Holiday, wherever podcasts can be found. And then there's my buddies, my friends. We're being nice because we had company over. Back to Cordley podcast with Bash and Z. Yes, those are my friends. It's kind of hard to tell sometimes, but those are my friends. Check them out. Act accordingly with Bash and Z. And um, I can't wait just to uh, talk with them. But um, those guys, check them out wherever podcasts can be found. Um, also, AJ, give give. Quick shout out to AJ and the great, yes, the great DJM80. It's a great crew, great podcast. I love it. It is that they not only are they my friends, I find myself whenever I listen to their podcast talking to them as if they're in the room because you guessed it, they are my friends. So check them out, the Act Corley Podcast with Bastion Z. Now, before we get out of here, we kind of mentioned this. Um, during the interview, but it'd be remiss if I didn't play it. It is the full, well, it's Greg Barron's, um, version of This Is Not Happening, which tells a story about the Australia trip. And one of, um, the Just Talk With Sam podcast alumni, great dude. He, he is no faking. He wasn't just great on the podcast. He's a great dude for many reasons. And, um, yes, Mr. Chad Butler. The drummer of Switchfoot um, and his interaction with um, our guest today, Greg Barrett. And um, I just think it's a great story. And it's interesting that this happened around the same time where the link meets up. It's pretty cool. So that's all I got for this week. Check this out. Everything related to the podcast can be found at samshownation.com. Your home for everything related to Just Talk With Sam podcast. If you want to talk to you, Just Talk With Sam podcast, just talking um with sam podcast no gn talking just talking with sam podcast on facebook instagram and i can be reached at sam show 11 on twitter everything else the home for everything else samshownation.com and we'll play play out with a clip and we will see you guys next week peace out
Hammers, guys, on podcast, so keeping them alive. Please give it up to Mr. Greg Barron, everybody. Let him in. I love this show, and I love the idea that that you have an experience where you're like, this is not happening, right? Like, just this is fucked up. You know, we all have those stories. I mean, I have a, I have a ton of them. One I'm not telling today, I saw the penis of the drummer from Metallica, like, at a show. That's not happening. No. I mean, like, you can't wrap your head or anything around it. It's huge. But also, sometimes you forget that you're the thing that's happening to somebody else. Like, you're the fucking, oh, my God, this is not happening. Like, you're the event that somebody goes, fuck you. So I would like to tell you a story that has both of those elements, uh, and it involves my sobriety, uh, which I have today, uh, and I've had since 1996, except for the two times I got high. So that, then it's not since 90, so I broke it. But that's because the... <laughs> That's not the rules, so you don't get to just leave. Uh, well, you can, and I have. Um, but one time it was my decision, and then the other time it was also my decision. So the, the first story... <laughs> the first story is this one. So my wife and I, uh, we had a, uh, a 19-year-old dog, okay? Fucking 19-year-old German Shepherd. That is fucking old. Like, that is, that's done. Like, that dog is fucking done. Like, it literally just sat in the corner of a room, it was like a fucking pillow with bones in it and a head. It just sat there. Like the dog wanted to be done. Do you understand? Like it was just being kept alive on pills. That's it. We just gave it pills to fucking keep it alive. And you know, they're fucking, they don't, you know, they're not, well, they are dumb, but they're not that dumb. You know what I mean? Like the dog was just like, you could just tell, it was like, fuck dude, haven't we done this? Haven't I dogged this shit out of it? What the fuck do you want from me? Fuck, I got the ball. Remember that? I got it a bunch of times, as I recall. And I fucking shit on the carpet and ruined that whole fucking birthday party thing. And then I took a picture for your fucking Instagram. Please, what the fuck more do you want from me, right? But you don't kill it because it's a dog. So like, here, take these pills. We just gave it a lot of pills, right? So anyway, we had this dog and it was very old and, and it was being kept alive on pills. So, uh, uh, and I didn't know what the pill, I didn't pay any attention to what the pills were. I mean, it had, there was one... The, the dog had no moves left, right? Except for that, they uh, except it would fart, right? It just, oh, you know what I mean? But their buttholes are all worked out, so it just you don't even know it's happened. You know, their buttholes are all loose, so it's just, ooh, it just comes out. It's like a cloud, like ooh, like it just, ooh, it's just a ghost fart, it's just a whistle. Like you don't know it's there until you know it's there, and then you're fucking pissed. Because dog farts are like, like you know, how some smells make you go, ugh, but dog farts make you piss. Like you're like, fuck. What the fuck is this? Jesus Christ! Good God! What the fuck's wrong with you? So anyway, uh, there was one Christmas. Uh, I love Christmas. I fucking love. I like Christmas so much. I'm gonna make you fucking hate it. That's how much I like it. I'm that guy. I like it so much. I ruin it for my whole family, which is fucked up because I have kids. Anyway, so I have that. <laughs> It's Christmas, and uh, I'm overexcited about it, and I'm also depressed uh, because I have depression and anxiety, which I'm not aware of, and also there was a sweater I wanted, and I'm not fucking getting it. <laughs> like, even when my wife said, you're not getting it, I'm like, like in a surprise way, or I'm not fucking getting it? <laughs> not in a surprise way. And then she's like, it should be about the kids. Fuck you. I, I dog-eared the catalog. And then she's like, I don't even know what a catalog is because I live in the now. The point is... I was very upset, and it was Christmas Eve, and I was sort of, I was having a panic attack and feeling shitty, 
and not to get too dark, but I was feeling uh, suicidal. I was struggling with some mental health issues that I didn't know that I had, and anxiety. And, um, uh, and then all of a sudden, I remembered that one day, when my friend was in the house, he had walked past the dog pills, and he had noticed that one of the jars of pills was like, oh, my, oh, fuck, you have those. You know what I mean? He didn't say what they were, but he made a face that went, that's good. Like, there's something in those pills that might be something a depressed person should take on Christmas Eve. So there were two jugs, of, you know, and the dog pills come in like little tiny jugs, like tankards, not the tall orange ones. So um, thanks for clearing that up, Greg. You're welcome. <laughs> I walked past the dog pills. I remember that one of them is potent, apparently. I'm not sure which, because I also know the other one's for the butthole. So I don't want to take, take the wrong one. My butthole's tight enough. You know what I mean? I don't need to fucking really... My sphincter's good enough. I don't need to really... You know what I mean? It's for a dog that has... Anyway, so... Then there's a, there's a, there's a, there, on one of the jugs, there's the sleepy face guy. Do you know the sleepy face guy on the pills, right? He's like, he's got like a nose and then he's like, oh, he's so tired because he's taking these pills and he's not allowed to operate machinery. Do you know what I'm talking about? That guy. If that guy's on a jar of pills, fucking take, if you want to party. But don't, I'm saying no to drugs. But if you're depressed and you don't know any better, that's the one you go for. And also, but why would a dog's pills have a sleeping, what do they, what is it they have to stay awake for? Do you know what I mean? If your dog's operating any machinery, you don't understand pets at all. Or you're missing a really fucking good financial opportunity because fuck, your dog can drive a forklift. So I take one of the pills. I'm not really sure what it is, but I take one of the pills. And then I read the, and, I, and, I'll, and it fucking, it's like a sweater for your insides. It's magical. It levels me out. I'm like, oh my God, this is amazing. Something called hydrocodone, right? And I, and as an alcoholic, I'm like, I'm never doing that again. Just the one time. I'm just going to do it the one, just the one. Next week, I'll take one other one later in the month. Then two, maybe five a day. So like an alcoholic drug addict, I escalated. And by that, then I was taking seven a day. And at that point, I just had lost it. Fuck, one day. Here's a perfect example. One day I just fucking showed up in the kitchen at my own house with a, I cut myself a mohawk and told my wife I was starting a ska band. If <laughs> that guy's, if you, first off, if your 50 year old husband comes in and says he wants to start a ska band, just take him to rehab, just right away. <laughs> just take him. If anyone wants to start a ska band today, fucking take them to rehab. Bad time, bad time. It's been played out, all right? So I was super fucked up and I did try and start a ska band because, and I quit my other really reliable jobs, comedy and writing books. So <laughs> I'd given up those opportunities. Uh, my wife is very upset. I was a total fucking mess. They took me to rehab. So now I go to rehab. I pull my shit together. I move back in the house. I can't live in the house. They put me in a, I have a, we have a guest house in a garage. I live in the garage. There's a place, it was on the other side of the yard. I lived in a, in a, in a closet on the other side of the yard, but I, <laughs> Right. Good night, everybody. Anyone? So, uh, uh, but I was living there, but I really was like, okay, I want to pull it together. I got on the right kind of medication. And I figured out that I had some problems and pulling my life together and I'm feeling good. And I kind of missed the Scott band. I really did want to be a rock star. You know what I mean? But I had to give up the, you know what I mean? Not for, I mean, not that anyone noticed, but anyway, so I start working on my stand up and my career. I write a one man show. I make friends with my wife again, just friends. Anyway, I, um, uh, I, I get my shit together and I'm feeling very good about myself because now I'm not the thing that happens to you, right? I'm the guy experiencing life. I'm not going to ruin people's lives. I'm going to be of service. I'm going to be a good person. I'm just going to fucking just, you know, just take it day by day, have everything, you know, and things are good. My career's coming back. My wife likes me again. I get asked to go to Australia 
to perform for 22 nights in, in Melbourne, uh, one-man show that I've written. Very exciting. Career's on the comeback. Got a big tour after that. It's all good. I have a little stomachache. It's fine. It's a little stomachache. I went to the doctor before I left for Australia. He said it was gas. That's not good doctoring when you find out what it was. <laughs> Eight shows into my run in Australia, uh, I'm on fire. My insides are burning. It's awful. I go to the doctor. They give me some drugs, which I, oh, my gosh, I remember these. Uh, they, had to, they had to give me some drugs because I was in so much pain, I forgot even about drugs. I forgot that there were, like, I was in kill me pain. I was literally like the dog, just end this. Just fucking end it. I was in so much pain. They give me, um, I don't know, whatever, some sort of pain reliever. And then they take a photo of my insides, and then they wake me up, and they say, you have uh, tumors in your stomach. You have cancer. Fuck! I was not going to come back. Um, so that's what they said. They have a, you have a, uh, but it was in Australia. So I have to say, and I'm not saying get cancer. I'm against it. I'm against cancer. <laughs> I just want to come out right now and say I'm against cancer. I don't want you to get it. Should you think you have it, go to Australia to get the diagnosis. Because just the way they say cancer sounds a tiny bit less bad. <laughs> That's all. Cancer. It just goes up at the end. It just cancimate. It cancimate. They say made a lot. It just feels cheerier like you're doing it together. Hey, it cancimate. We all do. No, you do. Anyway, they cancer. They told me that I had it. Uh, they thought I did. They, I had tumors in my stomach. They weren't sure what they were, but they were, there was a cluster of tumors. Right? Just really, a lot of R's. A lot, there's a lot of R's. You find out there's a lot of R's in cancer. Cluster, tumor, a lot of R's. So I, 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 uh, they think I have cancer. And they say, you have to go home. And I was so high on whatever it was they gave me. I'm like, to my apartment in Australia? And they go, no, to America. You have to take your cancer home. And uh, <laughs> you have to take it home. Can't have it there. They don't want you to die in there. So, um, uh, so I, I, I say, all right. And they, uh, they say, but you're going to be in pain uh, until you get to the hospital. You need to get there within the next 72 hours. But here is a box of Oxycontin. I'm like, that could be a mistake. A box. Not just a few, a fucking box, like with trays. Do you understand? We're talking about a street value of about a million dollars to a drug addict who's already high from whatever it is they gave them. I went out and bought a hat. So here's how high I was. I had my manager with me. I said, take the pills, give them to me, and let's be responsible about this. I just want to get home. I want to see my family. If I'm going to die, fair enough, but I just want to get home. So uh, I go uh, to uh, uh, the airport, and everything's fine, except for I accidentally put a knife in my backpack. That's, you don't, you're not allowed to take a knife through customs. I don't know if I'm sharing anything new with you guys, but no knives at customs on an international flight. They don't care for it. Uh, so I had a knife in my backpack, and the lady goes, uh, she was very nice, and she said, sir, this is a knife. And I said to her, I have cancer. <laughs> she literally goes, uh. I don't know what the next sentence is. Like, literally, I don't know what to say to you. So she's like, well, you still have to leave the knife, but I'll give you a hug. So my, my, uh, my manager's with me, so that's my thing. I'm like, just make sure that I don't overuse the drugs because I could. And because I'm dying, I probably don't care. So make me care and don't let me take all that drugs because I don't want to show up at home being that guy. So I get on the airplane, they stick my manager in fucking economy, and they put me on first class. So I know I'm dying, right? I know it's a make-a-wish thing. <laughs> put him in first class. It's probably the last time I'll be on a plane. So they throw him in fucking baggage, and I'm sitting in a throne or, a, you know, whatever. It's just this massive thing where they just give you back rubs. And I'm sitting next to a guy who I don't know who turns out to be this drummer for the band Switchfoot. Do you guys know Switchfoot at all? Yeah? Yeah, that's usually the response I get. Yeah. So uh, anyway, they're a fine band. They're a fine band. I don't know them, but I know who they are. But I don't know. I know that I know that they surf, and I know they're Christian, and that's all I know. Probably couldn't sing a song, but the guy's super nice, the drummer. And uh, 
so we start talking. I say, look, I'm going to ask you a really weird favor, but I'm dying maybe, probably. And uh, I have to take these pills, and would you give them to me and not let me take more than I need and make sure I take them when I'm supposed to? And he said, yeah, sure. And I said, thank you. Also, if I get up, like if I rub your chest or walk around the plane or – I don't know if any of you ever been on OxyContin, but it's not bad. It's, yeah, you feel – you're friendly, and you like conversations, and you want to talk to everyone about everything. And you also – it has this amazing thing that never happens to me in real life. It actually makes you want to listen to people. So <laughs> – like you're genuinely interested in weird shit. What kind of buttons are those on my, on my shirt? Yeah, they seem neat. All right. <laughs> anyway, the guy was super nice, and I said, would you make sure I don't overuse these? And then I passed out, and I slept the whole flight. Um, you know, uh, and uh, so we get to Los Angeles, and, uh, and uh, so that's cool. I'm sitting next to a guy, you know, a guy from a band. That's neat. And uh, he says, let me walk you to baggage claim. So the drummer from Switchfoot walks me to baggage claim, gets my bags for me, and then he goes, hey, man, I just want to tell you that I love you. I said a prayer for you. You're going to be fine. And I was like, wow. And I bent down to pick up my bags, and I turned around, and he was fucking gone. (laughs) Gone. Not like, oh, in a crowd, like fucking, there was nobody. He was gone. (laughs) I was like, fuck. Did I dream that? Were these my last moments? I had a lucid dream? Why the guy from Switchfoot? (laughs) Thank you.